It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get right through now, it. Right COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and we're starting off our Earth Day edition with a little wishful thinking for some sunshine on this cold uh, spring day. But we have a great show in store coming up uh, in honor of Earth Day. We'll be talking with Leslie Van Sant from the Rainforest Trust. She's going to talk about seven different ways to help the environment. That's coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour. In uh, hour two... I'm going to talk with uh, the Senior Vice President of International Affairs for the People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, or PETA Foundation, in the UK. Purva Jashapura will be joining me in the second hour of our three-hour tour for this uh, Earth Day edition of the Tom Sumner Program. But we're going to start out talking about cars, um, specifically um, electric vehicles and whether or not 2021 is the year to make the switch. We're going to talk with uh, Brian Moody, executive editor for Auto Trader, coming up uh, straight ahead. So don't touch that dial, don't click that mouse. Celebrate Earth Day with us right here on the Tom Sumner Program. <music> And welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about electric vehicles this hour, and my guest is the executive editor for Auto Trader, Brian Moody. Brian's been here before, but it's great to have him back. Good morning, Brian. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Tom. Thank you for having me. Um, electric vehicles... Um, where are we in the development? Uh, you know, we went through... We've talked about hybrids and electric vehicles. What's really the difference between the two? Well, we're still in sort of the early stages of all electric vehicles, so think of it this way. A hybrid combines a gasoline-powered engine and a small electric motor. A traditional hybrid that you may think of as like a Prius from the 90s or the 2000s is the kind of car that you just add gasoline to, you drive it around, you never charge it up, and the small electric motor 
um, helps your car to get better fuel economy. That electric motor generates electricity or is run by electricity that you get from braking and driving downhill and that kind of stuff. A purely electric car is a car that doesn't have any gasoline engine whatsoever. It only ever works on electricity, and it has, of course, a larger battery so that you can get a decent type of range. And the range on those cars, and they're all electric, varies from car to car. So that's something to consider when you're shopping for an electric car. Uh, yeah, I've heard as, as much as 400 miles. Is that about right? That would be on the high end. Um, that's what automakers are, are shooting for. They, they really want to have that type of a car. Right now, if you want a very, very long-range um, electric car, uh, Tesla is one that you should be considering. Um, you might also want to consider something that's called a plug-in hybrid, which that uses gas and electricity also, but it uses electricity only for a short period of time. Um, you can also look at cars like the uh, Audi has an e-tron, uh, there's a Porsche, there's a Jaguar that has a fairly long range also. But these, these cars are expensive, and that's one of the, the limitations at this point, is that electric cars are still fairly pricey. How long do you think it will be before those those prices come down? And for people who are anxious to um, own an electric vehicle because of their own feelings about fossil fuels and so on, um, it... it is it too soon, or should they be a little patient? Well, I think a little bit of patience is required, and I'll tell you what will happen over time is the prices will come down as more people adopt these. But in terms of if you're if you're if you have a, a certain conviction, and that's why you want to drive an electric car, what I would do is I would look at how electricity in your area is generated. It isn't the same for everybody. So if you have electricity that's generated, say, from a, a nuclear power plant, that's clean. That's, that's fairly clean. You're doing, you're doing great. If you, have, uh, you live in, the, say, the, the Portland, Oregon area, and the, the electricity is generated from uh, hydro, which means rivers and, and dams and waterfalls, great. It's, you're not polluting that way. But many power plants generate electricity by using fossil fuels themselves. So that's probably not a great solution, and until we get a better solution, um, I would wait until the time is right for that. The prices will come down, and one thing that's for sure as a consumer that's great, the more time goes by, the good electric cars are going to rise to the top, and there will simply be more and more choices because more people are willing to accept an electric car. And I think if people drove one, they would like it. It does feel nice when you drive one. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because they're so quiet. But what about this the issue of of range and and uh, and recharging batteries for electric vehicles? Um, there isn't a system on board like we have now with the batteries in gasoline powered cars, where there's an alternator system that continually recharges that battery. Well, it, it, are fully electric vehicles working in that direction so there's some kind of way that they're being charged while driving? Well, some of them can do a little bit of charging while they're driving. So, for example, you might have um, a braking button or a braking shifter. The Chevrolet Bolt does this, the Nissan Leaf does this. So say you're driving around town and then you come to a hill. As you go down that hill, 
you can just leave your foot off the brake or you can press a button that will use the brakes, the energy that, that's lost from the brakes, and it will capture that energy and put some back into the battery. Um, but in, in, in the other instance that you mentioned, you're really talking about an infrastructure issue, and you're right. There aren't as many places to charge up as there are to refuel your car. And also a big hindrance that people aren't really talking about is, you know, how long does it take to fill your car up with gas if it was empty? It might take you 10 minutes. Well, electric cars often take hours to charge unless you have a special system uh, like a supercharger or something like that. Yeah, that's a that's a, a problem that I think about all the time as I see um, news reports and, and advertising about electric vehicles that, you know, on average it's five hours to recharge the car. Now, if a car is getting up to 400 miles... For most people, driving to work and running around town to do some errands on the way to and from work or spending the day running errands around town, that's pretty adequate. You know, you drive around, do your stuff, get home, plug it in, you know, get up the next day and repeat. Um, But if you're planning to travel, you get 400 miles away from home, and then what? Right. You have to have a plan for that. And also a a high-capacity battery that has three or 400-mile range is going to take a lot more than five hours to charge. It might take 12, 15, or 20 hours to charge, depending on if you're using your regular plug-in at home. So what I think is a good alternative, though, is there's a new crop of cars coming. Most people don't know about them because they're only uh, kind of experimental, but you can buy one out in in the West. Um, And these are hydrogen electric cars. So they use a fuel cell, and they use hydrogen and an electrochemical process to create the electricity. So it's an electric car, but you take it to the gas station and you go to the hydrogen pump, of, of which there already are some, and you plug in the compressed hydrogen, and that takes about 15 minutes to fill up. I hadn't heard about that. Now, here locally um, in Flint, Michigan, where I'm based, the uh, MTA has some buses that use that and the the manager of mta here has been on the show several times and he always likes to brag about the fact that on the hydrogen vehicles the only thing coming out of the tailpipe is water that's exactly right and and also many automakers general motors has experimented with this they had a fuel cell powered uh cadillac in jimmy carter's presidential inauguration parade they also had a fuel cell powered chevrolet equinox around 2009 that they had been experimenting with. At this point, there are three hydrogen fuel cell cars that you can purchase if you live in uh, in California, and it's, there's a Honda, a Toyota, and a Hyundai. Now, that bus that you just talked about that runs on compressed hydrogen, that just tells me that the hydrogen fueling stations are there. They just aren't publicly accessible. So it's it's not so far away that someone who lives in a place like Flint might be able to to drive and own a hydrogen-powered fuel cell car. More about electric vehicles with Brian Moody, executive editor for Auto Trader, straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org.
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about electric vehicles with Brian Moody, executive editor for Auto Trader, straight ahead. What um, what's likely to happen quicker, Brian? Um, the the price on the vehicles come down, or the infrastructure evolve? Hmm. That's you know what I mean? Because they're related. I, yeah, I do. They're related, and so let me tell. This is what I think: is that I think that the the infrastructure problem has to be solved first before the prices can come down, because nobody. Well, I wouldn't say nobody, but the majority of average people are not going to buy a car where they're afraid they can't charge it up when they're traveling or when they're going on a long-distance trip. So having the public infrastructure there first is probably the thing that will happen, and then you get early adopters, as we see now, and then more and more people buy it, and as you amortize the price of the battery across multiple vehicle lines, then you'll get a lower and lower price over time. Are we likely to see some uh, adjustment to the existing infrastructure? Will the fueling stations, the gas stations that we have all over the country, will they start providing these uh, options for hydrogen and electrical recharge um, and be- become the the uh, distributors of the new energy sources um is is that likely to happen that they'll just turn over to the new technology perhaps it it, perhaps it will and i hope that it does i wouldn't want the the means of refueling your car to be out of the hands of private businesses that's when it works best when they're competing with each other so with regard to hydrogen yes there already are some hydrogen fueling stations and they are just gas stations. It's a gas station that has also a couple of hydrogen pumps, just like diesel. You know, you go to a gas station, there's gasoline, and then there's diesel. Hydrogen, these already exist. I don't know about the electric part, and I'll tell you the part that concerns me about that is that gas station owners are in the business of making money. If they thought there was a dollar to be made by installing electric charging stations in their gas station, they would already have done it. So I'm not sure how that part is going to play out. But it seems like, um, well, let's let's talk about what they have to do to um, to their own infrastructure. Is uh, for a gas station is adding a hydrogen pump a fairly simple thing? Can they use you know existing equipment or or facilities like tanks and those kinds of things, or do they have to do something major to change over to that? And and then the same question about electric. Yeah, I would imagine that electric, and I, this, this is a guess on my part, I would imagine the electric part would be um, more difficult because the means of production for that electricity comes from elsewhere, whereas compressed hydrogen, you could have something similar to an existing system, which is, a large tank, on-site storage, and a pump that probably uses some of the same components, pieces, and principles as a gas pump. But in, in other words, they wouldn't have to really completely, you know, gut their facility to um, make the adjustment for hydrogen. But electric presents a different problem. 
it, it could be. It could be. And the part that, like I said before, is the part that's concerning is that if there was a dollar to be made with electric charging stations at gas stations, I think they'd already be having those. So the fact that, that those owners don't see that maybe means that the adoption of some of these electric cars we're talking about might be a little bit longer than what we're what we would hope or what we would expect. Are we talking uh, when we talk about the electrical outlets for recharging vehicles? Um, you know, living in Michigan, and and this isn't true in the part of the state where I live, but if you get up in the, uh, you know, in the Upper Peninsula or across the the states across the top of the country, hotels have electrical outlets at parking spaces, which they've had for some time to use for plugging in electrical blankets to keep <laughs> engine blocks from freezing yeah. in below zero temperatures yeah. for prolonged periods of time. Um, would those things be fairly easily convertible, and is that something we would see pop up at, at hotels around the country so people, when they're traveling, could plug their cars in overnight? I hope that's the case because that's the best time to charge your car. An electric car doesn't work well when you're going to charge it in the middle of the day as you're using it. So that's what we're used to with a gasoline-powered car. I stop at the gas station, I take five minutes, I fill it up with gas, and then I drive off. Electric cars don't work that well that way because it takes longer to charge it up. Having it at a hotel is a great solution because the car is sitting there idle anyway. Um, The voltage and the equipment to generate electricity to charge up a high-capacity battery is going to be different than that of a warming blanket. I would assume the warming blanket is just very similar to a household-style outlet. But at least you have a model or, in principle, how that could work. So I would love to see that. I think hotels would be a great place to start for publicly charging cars with people who are going on trips. It does make a lot of sense. I'm, I'm also wondering about what people have to do in their homes. If someone, you know decides you know i'm i'm going to get out front of this and i have a couple of extra dollars i'm getting an electric car because i think it's the right thing to do and it sounds like fun and they're cool um but then that's that's only the first step because they have to have a charging station at home what kind of expense is that going to entail it's a few thousand dollars um but most places in the country will offer your power company will offer you a discount or a tax incentive, or some other type of incentive to install one. But remember, you don't have to install a home charging station to charge your electric car. You can do that, and it will make your life more convenient, but you can also just plug in all electric cars today, modern electric cars, Honda, Ford, Nissan, Chevrolet. They come with a charging cable that you can plug right into the wall in your garage, and you can charge it up that way. Now, it will take a while, but that does work, and you don't have to get that expensive charging station. Is As people get into this, is it going to be smarter to get the hybrid first and then evolve to an electric, an all-electric car because of some of these uh, infrastructure and charging challenges? Maybe, but what I find when I'm driving a plug-in hybrid, the kind where you can charge it up and then drive, every time I drive a plug-in hybrid, say it goes for 20, 30, 40 miles on electricity only, the first thing I think is I wish I could just keep driving around on electricity because it's so much more pleasant. So I think plug-in hybrids are definitely a temporary stopgap measure, but it would be worth trying at least taking for a test drive and see 
if that's one that you like on our list of 10 best cars for electric cars for 2021 we have a couple of plug-in hybrids um on the list uh the lincoln aviator is a great one like it's a really good car and it allows you to go for a certain number of miles on electricity only uh bmw x5 is another one that's worth trying so it could be a way to gradually ease yourself into uh getting an electric car what would um for people who who travel a, a great deal um would it be wiser to have the the gasoline back up and and are those designed in such a way that if if you were out and quite a ways from home and didn't have access to recharging the the battery part that you could just keep putting gas in and operate like a regular gas powered yes. car yeah yes that's exactly right so you charge it up when you want to a plug-in hybrid doesn't have to be plugged in to charge up and run that way, but it can do that if you want it. Um, but yes, they're perfect for that. Around town, say you have a 25-mile range of electricity, you're doing your errands every day, dropping your kids off at school, going to the grocery store, that could all be done with electricity. Then, on the weekend, when you want to go farther, you just drive it, and you're gonna, it's going to work like a regular car. You don't need to charge it up to keep driving. So from a practical standpoint, that might be you know, the, the better first foray into uh yes electric vehicles especially for today yeah as you had pointed out there still are many many gas stations gas powered cars are going to be with us for quite some time so that might be a more practical way to get into an electric car now what what about that um gas powered cars are going to be with us for quite some time gm made an announcement recently that they were going to try to make all electric cars by what 2020 uh, I'm sorry, not said, 2020, 2030. Said, yes, they said that was their intention. Um, so I guess you could take that how you want. I, I intend to do a lot of things during the day, but I don't always accomplish them. <laughs> uh, I think that they're, you know, I, I mean, I can tell you, I could tell you one of two things. I could tell you, I am going to give you $100. Or I can say, I intend to give you $100. And those two things mean something different. I think GM is going to have a lot of great electric cars on the road in the next 10 years. I have no doubt that they can do it. The legacy automakers like GM and Ford and Chrysler, they're, they're in the best position to do that. And I'm sure that they will make great electric cars. But, you know, intentions can change. The climate can change. And we also have to consider things like, uh, you know, what do the consumers want? We, we, can't, we can't start measuring success as an outcome without first, you know, equalizing it at the beginning. Everybody wants to have a, uh, you know, make these outcome statements. Well, you have to, that doesn't just work because you, you, you willed it so. I, I think they have to make competitive electric cars. And when they do that, then people will buy them by choice. And that's what I'm hoping that we get to. Um, when, is there an, an order that, that things have to happen in order for us to make a shift to fully electric cars in other words and and we've touched on it a little bit brian but um do the the um energy providers fueling stations if you will you said they have to exist before anybody's really going to buy a car they have to know they can charge it up when they get to the end of their um uh, stored likely. capacity um does that have to happen first or 
if, if the if the cars are there and people are wanting the cars, can the power distribution system evolve quickly enough to keep up? If there's money in it, they're going to find a way to evolve quickly. <laughs> but I think that the first thing that has to happen is the public has to psychologically accept that this is a thing that they want and this is a thing that can meet their needs. Do you think that's happening? Do you get the impression that people are really wanting to go electric? Um, I think some people are. I think that uh, many others think that it's too soon. They just want to, they don't care about how, like, so when you have kids who are 18, 19 years old, I think what they're going to come to is eventually they'll just say, I don't care how it's powered. I just want whatever works best for me. What's the le- What's the least expensive what's the most durable thing I can get, and that's what they'll do. And they won't care how it's powered. But it's going to take a while to get there. Today we still have a lot of people who actually have opinions about whether electric is good or not. It doesn't really matter to younger drivers. They just want a car. You know, imagine if you were 18 today and your parents said, I'll buy you an electric car. You'd be like, I don't, sure, whatever, I'll take it just so I can, if if it's mine. When, how does this, play against the efforts to make cars fully automated or or autonomous, if you will? It's related because a lot of those automated features work best when they're electronic rather than mechanical. So it's easier to make a car that can change lanes, make decisions, accelerate, decelerate, brake, swerve, if a lot of those components are electronic versus if they're mechanical components. And we already see that today. Most cars today, when you press the gas pedal, there isn't a mechanical link between, you know, the gas pedal and the engine. There's an electronic link that a lever will move. It tells a sensor to allow this much. That's already that's already happening. So they are related, yes. And if... I've I've heard scenarios where um, autonomous vehicles, people wouldn't own them necessarily, that they'd be provided by uh, a service of some kind, and you would just, you know, sign up. Like say, a taxi. Yeah, I need a car, you know, to get me from A to B on such and such a date at such and such sure. a time. Car pulls up in front of your house at the appointed time. You climb in the front or back seat, doesn't matter, and it gets you there. Um, if people are not going to, to own cars, um, what, uh, what does that do to this, this push to get people to go electric? Well, I think that kind of scenario could actually result in more cars being needed because what you're doing is you're providing access to personal transportation and personal mobility where they didn't have it before because they lost their driver's license or they became ill or they're physically impaired or whatever it is that caused them to stop driving, they're now able to participate in that world of personal transportation even if they aren't behind the wheel. So I think more cars are going to be needed. And I also think that a lot of these things you're talking about will probably be automated to the point where it will run on a track or it will be like an airport shuttle, or it will be a you know a tram, or those kinds of things. What um, if if people are 
beginning to think they they have an interest in electric cars, and we're starting to see them advertised. You mentioned the the was it Cadillac or Lincoln? I can't remember. Um, one is is advertising an SUV that's electric powered. Um, for people that are shopping. What are the questions they need to ask themselves? What are the things they should be considering before jumping on the electric car bandwagon? Well, they need to ask questions like, how, how much range do I need? What size car do I need? And how much am I willing to pay? Because electric cars are more expensive than gasoline-powered cars. You can give a, a Nissan Leaf that has a range as low as 150 miles, or you can get a Tesla that has a range of 300-plus miles. And and what kind of price gap is there at this point? You say, you, you know, you scare me, Brian, when you say that electric cars are more expensive. Is it dramatically more expensive? Is it double? It's not double, um, but if you were to take a, you know, a similar-sized SUV and, say, one of them is gasoline-powered and one of them is fully electric-powered, it could be $10,000 or more difference in terms of the price. Um, you know, if you look at the Nissan Leaf, it's, a, it's the least expensive electric car, I think, that you can get right now. Um, but it's still $30,000, roughly. Um, you know, that's on par with other small economy cars. But as you go up in battery capacity, the price jumps a lot more quickly. And... How is the development of um, the um, batteries, um, how is the research on that going for increasing the amount of, of range? Is that, um, are, are we at where we're going to be, or is that going to continue to improve? I think it will continue to improve as improvements are made in packaging and space and aerodynamics and those kinds of things. I, I once saw a, a skit on a, a television program where they were introducing the first electric car, and you lifted up the battery or you lifted up the the hood, and there were about three thousand C batteries all wired in series. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. you know, is is it ever going to get to the point, or or is it part of the plan that there would be three or four batteries that could all be fully charged, and and um, you know, when when one runs out, you switch to another one, and well, it's already a series of smaller batteries put into a large pack, so that's kind of how they're doing it. Oh, okay. But I think what you're implying is, like, would, would they have a reserve battery? I mean, I guess that's possible, um, but it's probably better just to have decent range to begin with. That's what most people would buy, as opposed to having how many cars had a reserve gas tank. You know, some trucks had that, but for the most part, you just want to make it with good, usable, everyday range, no matter what. My uh, my guest is Brian Moody, the executive editor for Auto Trader. We'll have to um, wrap it up there. But my uh, my guest was uh, Brian Moody, the executive editor for Auto Trader. I would say Auto Trader is a good place to begin your research on uh, uh, mapping out buying an electric vehicle. 
And uh, with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Wash my hands. I don't touch my face. I stay at home. Shelter in place Social distance Don't go to work I wear a mask and gloves Stay away from church I avoid old folks And should I sneeze I do it in my elbow Heart. That is the room And I pray for the day The kids can go back to school I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku, Netflix, PBS, and the BBC I've taken down all my mirrors And I'm sick of what I see Two more weeks of quarantine Will be the death of me The death of me I risk a trip To the grocery store To buy TP and a few things more But when I get there All I can find Is sixteen honey buns And some mad dog wine I'm washing my hands Like a raccoon with OCD I've watched Hulu, Roku Netflix, PBS, and the BBC. I've taken down all my mirrors, cause I'm sick of what I see. Yeah, two more weeks of this quarantine's gonna be the death of me. The death of me. You know, they say this is war. But we don't have to storm Omaha Beach or Porkchop Hill. And we just lay here on the couch and watch TV. Whew, I'd rather volunteer for a high-risk commando raid to parachute into Wuhan and find that little fellow that ordered that bat soup. I know I'm talking out of my head, saying crazy stuff over and over like, Yes, dear. Yes, dear. At breakfast, I meant to say, honey, please pass me the pepper. Well, what slipped out was, you crazy woman, you've ruined my life. <laughs> of course, I immediately apologized as <laughs> soon as I regained consciousness. From the Tom
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Hawaiians, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the back. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. 
TheTomSumnerProgram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. We used to steal the wheels off of baby coaches to make go-karts. Now, those of you that don't know what a go-kart is, a go-kart is made from wood that you take old orange crates and stuff like that, and, and uh, it's, a, it's shaped like an eye, like a big eye. We'll stand it up for you. And a board goes across this way, and then one goes down the middle, and then one goes across this way again. Then you have to make an axis so that you can make a left and a right turn, hammer, uh, hammer down rope and everything. So you make a left and right turn. Then you need wheels. You've got to have baby coach wheels. Got to have them. Nothing else will work. So we used to go out at night stealing baby coach wheels. 287 baby coach wheels we stole. The odd wheel was because Old Weird Harold had a Continental on the back. <laughs> and uh, you get in your, get in your old go-kart there and just sit in it and just pretend that you were driving all over the country. And you gotta have your own music to, run, to ride your, your go-kart. That was my music. I took mine from the from the, the Rough Riders. Old Weird Harold took his from the Lone Ranger. And Brian Charlie took his from the Green Horner. We had about three million kids all racing with their own music. And so the cops heard about our stealing because the mothers reported, their kids out here stealing our baby coach wheels. Every morning we put our children into the baby coaches, push them, the coaches don't move. Children look up and say, why me? So we had to hide them. And uh, we waited two days for the heat to blow over. And we brought them out Saturday. Saturday morning, go-kart championship of America. And we're out there, all of us, full force, 300 kids out there. And we're warming up our, our go-karts at the top of the hill. We had a race on Dead Man's Hill. It was called Dead Man's Hill because it went straight down for about a quarter of a mile and then it emptied out onto a freeway. Henceforth, the name Dead Man's Hill. And uh, we had everything. We had, we had guys that would make uh, pit stops and everything. If your wheel came off, guys would grab it and put it back on it uh, to have a two-hour pit stop. You know, because it takes a long time to hammer out the nail, straighten it back out, and then put it back in with a rock. You know, you can do it with a nail and a hammer, a real straight one, but you can't do it with a rock. Good. And we had a fireman. Little kid, three years old, used to follow us running down the hill. Had a cup of water in his hand. Whenever you went bad, he hit you in the face with doosh, you know, and put you out, run back up. He was fast. So now we got the go-kart championship of America, and we're all warming up. I warm, I'm, I'm warming up my go-kart. Hadn't even gotten out of first gear yet. Old Weird Harold's warming up his Rolls Royce. His sounds like this. 
And he's all crying, Charlie. Grin, 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 grin. And the kid came out with his father's underwear. He took black shoe polish, made some squares on him, and he waved him. Phew, phew. They're off! Pack! We're going down the hill. And I'm winning by six inches. Right behind me is old Weird Al. And he's gaining on me. It's almost like a four-way tie for first place. Old Weird Al shot past me. Gotta catch up with him. Reached into my pocket, pulled out my trusty can of three-in-one oil. Zoomed ahead. One of the kids went off to the side and actually boosh right in the face. Got him. And I look about 20 feet from the bottom of the hill and I see 900 cop cars waiting. I went to my emergency brake, which is a piece of wood. Push it forward, it'll stop you if you're going about one mile every five weeks. No good. Put my legs down. I gotta stop. The cops are gonna lock us up. No, no. We smashed up 905 six-year-old kids on the ground crying. Oh, hold on. The cops are beautiful. Gonna scare us to death. Pull the guns out. We'll shoot them down right here. Kill all of them, boy. Crying Charlie broke. The cops pulled out the cuffs, put the handcuffs on us, and it backfired on them because her wrists were so skinny that as soon as we put our arms down, they fell off. <laughs> hey, Mrs., the things fell off of us, but we wasn't trying to run away or nothing. We was just standing right here. Honest, don't shoot us down or nothing, but they fell off of us because our wrists, and so they thigh cuffed us together, and that's the way we went to jail. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Program, don't you know? Go on, go on, get out of here. <laughs> 